solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is 2021. We have the promises of COVID vaccines being out there for everyone. We know that a lot of the discussions that are going to be coming up in the next several months deal with vaccines and who gets them, who needs to have them, who's required to have them, what can we do in our practices with clients about vaccines. And Katie and I wanted to talk through a number of the, the different things that we've been hearing from therapists in the community addressing some of the laws and ethics that we're aware of that apply to this situation and whether we can push ourselves to the front of the line as essential workers to get vaccines. <laughs> Katie, what is the biggest question that you have heard about vaccines so far? Okay. So I think the biggest question that I've been hearing is about requiring people to get vaccines, whether it's your employees, if it's clients before they come into the office, but these kind of legal and potentially even ethical, you know, kind of considerations around as someone in a position of power, whether as an employer or a therapist, can I require the people around me to be vaccinated? Whenever we get into this kind of a discussion here, here's the disclaimer. We're not lawyers. That we don't even play them on TV. And while we do come from a, a legal and ethical background and various things on my resume allow for me to speak with some more confidence on this, if you're really looking at this, don't take legal advice from therapists. But <laughs> our understanding is employers in most of the country are in an at-will relationship with, with their employees. Therefore, there, there's not some things that are outlined there. If you're part of a, a contract or a union sort of thing, like definitely talk to your representatives there. But for the most part in the country, employers can require employees to have a vaccine. Now, there's some legal hoops there, and especially when it deals with people who may need a vaccine exemption for one reason or another, whether that's due to a medical ground, whether that's due to religious beliefs. But for the most part in this country, people who choose not to get vaccines are not a protected class. 
So the employer's abilities to require a vaccine are much higher. They have a lot more ability to do that than maybe for some other sorts of things. So employers can. Now, most of the recommendations that I'm seeing is that lawyers are encouraging businesses, agencies, this kind of stuff. Don't force it onto your employees. Like you're better off saying, we strongly encourage it. And if you don't get it, we might have to make some workplace accommodations. What type of accommodations are you hearing about? So as it would pertain to, in in particular, therapists, it would be continuing to have remote work, not being put into contact with other people, still maintaining some of those physical distancing standard type situations. And your miles may vary depending on the type of agency that you're working in, depending on how much of an accommodation there is there. But again, reasons why you would need to talk with an actual attorney is... It may not always be possible, depending on the type of work that you would be doing. And therefore, your unique situations are going to require a unique look at whatever position that you're coming from. I'm thinking about as you're a group practice owner, so you have clinicians that it sounds like you will encourage to get a Strongly encourage, yes. Strongly encourage, but will have accommodations like continuing virtual work. I think for folks and in, in our conversation prior to recording, you were talking about community mental health folks. And if I, if my employer is not requiring a vaccine or is, or those kinds of things, I mean, it seems like there's, there's a lot of complexity to this as you move away from a sole practitioner in an office or even a small group practice. Like I could see, having concerns around are people still wearing masks? Because I the last thing I heard is that even if you're vaccinated, you should continue to wear a mask until herd immunity is reached and and different things like those. So I think it's it's something where not only do we need to look at what we might require as business owners, but if we are in those situations, whether we're employees or going and interacting with businesses or those kinds of things, to be clear on what type of risk we're taking and how to best protect ourselves. I mean, I think both you and I are going to get a vaccine when it's our turn and continue to wear masks and continue to take precautions. There are folks who are less cautious. I'll only speak for myself. There are people who are much less cautious than I am and may have a higher, you know, ability to take on risk. They're willing to do things that are beyond the specific guidelines around best practices. And so I think it it's sorting out your own level of risk taking. I think if you're, especially if you're an employee, and 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 going to the second element of that, and your employer's not requiring clients to get vaccinated, is that a thing? Can we require our clients to have a vaccine? I think that this is really where a lot of the ethical discussions are that we see, and. On on one hand, if, if you know, if we're going to picture this in a boxing match of ethics here, in in one <laughs> corner we have clients' autonomy of choices, and all of our ethical codes encourage us to respect clients' decisions around stuff. And this Absolutely. may be physical health, it may be mental health, it may be their choice of treatment providers, any of that kind of stuff. And in the other corner, we have therapist values. And we have the abilities to set our own practice guidelines that 
would really seem to uh, come to throws in this hypothetical boxing match here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start at kind of the private practice sort of things and move down a continuum to agency work and community mental health here, because ultimately I think that the type of placement that you're in is going to drastically change what this conversation is because as a, a private practice person, as a person who owns a small group practice, I have the ability to control my environment quite a bit more. I'm entirely private pay. I'm not obligated to any sorts of contracts. And in being able to balance both the safety of my office as well as the client's choices towards their own access to vaccines, my plan is to have a policy of, you need to have a vaccine to come see me in person. And if you don't, for whatever reason, we'll continue on telehealth. And this seems to be the ethical choice as far as here's what respects me and my practice and my values, and here's what respects your choices as a client, and I'm providing a reasonable accommodation in case you don't want to get the vaccine for whatever reason that may be. Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time, and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN. For two months free. Well, even as the vaccine gets rolled out, you know, I think there's there there may be clinicians as soon as they're vaccinated, they're heading back to their office and might want to start seeing clients who have also been vaccinated. And so it could even be timeline, like until you're vaccinated, we'll continue telehealth. So I think there's there's definitely things there. One thing that that struck me when you were talking is there's the the insurance element for folks who have a hybrid or insurance practice. And I think there's also the ability for folks to continue to bill insurance for telehealth. My hope is that that isn't a thing that all of a sudden telehealth isn't covered, but that could be a, a, another space where you have to make that decision. Do you continue, do you get vaccinated and continue forward and and take the same precautions you would now if you're in person where we have not hit herd immunity, very few people are vaccinated or, you know, I mean, assuming that you want to kind of limit the, the influx of unvaccinated folks into your practice. I mean, we're kind of assuming if you're listening to this episode, part of it is potentially there are folks who don't want to get vaccinated, don't want to have their, their clients be made into a forced choice. So this, there's, there's that piece. But I think there's a lot of us, at least the folks I'm talking about, who want to get vaccinated but are trying to figure out how do I take care of my clients without them potentially in, in, you know, kind of impacting me and my health or the, the health of other clients or, or those types of things. And so if you are are thinking, hey, I'm only going to see vaccinated clients in my insurance practice, I think 
there's not really an accommodation to be made if they cannot be seen by telehealth. Maybe you could do walk and talk therapy or meet outside. There's some other things that might be possible, but if they are coverage or their choice is that they don't want to continue on telehealth, it seems like at that point, then you, then you're referring out to another provider who will either see them without them being vaccinated or, or, you know, have different accommodations that suit them better. And that feels kind of weird, but I think it, it, becomes a line that you can draw. It may be something where in those situations, if you are contracted with insurance, that you need to have these discussions with the insurance companies, even starting now before Mm -hmm. they make their decisions on whether or not they continue to fund telehealth as they have. I imagine that a lot of places are going to have distance sort of treatments or distance sort of learning that will always be the backup now that the infrastructure has been established. I'm seeing school districts across the country say, you know, we're no longer going to have snow days. We'll just have days where your kids will learn from home now. So I imagine that there is going to continue to be this accessibility that is always going to be an option now. I hear that, but I also want to just remind folks that insurance companies don't always do what's logical. And so the thing that I've done, and and we recommended this in one of our first COVID episodes or telehealth episodes, was if you are seeing clients by telehealth and you want to make sure that you continue to have that option, make sure you're not just taking the emergency option, but that you've actually registered or signed up with the insurance provider as a telehealth provider because otherwise when when things dial back and and you're just using it as a backup and it's not a required option for most folks you may your clients may lose coverage so i think it's important to to take care of that but moving away from this cuz this is a little bit down right. a rabbit hole <laughs> uh, and another piece of this question that comes up is people are asking about kind of the liability of if a client comes to our office and they get sick, am I going to be held liable? And one of our previous episodes, this is part of the magic of podcasting is something that was left on the cutting room floor is we had talked with our guest from CPH about this very specific question. And their answer was, Eh, we don't know yet. You know, it hasn't been <laughs> tested in courts yet. It's really unlikely that somebody's going to be able to trace it back to your office, but are you willing to take that risk? And so there seems to be, you know, a little bit of a gray area here that can be interpreted. But I think one of the common themes that we're already speaking to is that you can only be responsible for yourself and the environment immediately around you and looking for as many of these continued protective precautions that you can take is probably what's in your best interest. Now, I do want to go back to moving down this continuum path of from private practice down towards agencies is that it's very easy for people like Katie and me to be able to say, hey, you know, if you're sick, telehealth. If you're not going to get a vaccine, telehealth. If anything comes up, telehealth. That At some point down this path, people have a right to get mental health treatment. They have a right to get health treatment. Doesn't necessarily have to be from us. 
you know, that, and it doesn't have to be from us in person. Yes. That's great when we're talking about private practice clients, but community mental health is an entirely different place. Yes. And oftentimes seeking help from those places is people who may not have actual access to getting vaccinations. It might be people working out in the community with homeless populations. It might be people who are working with people where just they don't have the capacity to understand getting vaccinations or under the control of other people who may not be getting the client's vaccines. That puts us into a lot bigger risk of a health factor scenario. I imagine that most of those workplaces are going to try and minimize the risk to their employees and strongly encourage you, if not require you, to get a vaccine. But as far as making the same sorts of requirements towards clients, I imagine is going to be much more difficult choice because where I can very easily say, yeah, you can get mental health treatment, not necessarily from me, people working in those agencies might not have the same ability to exercise that sort of ethical clinician concern. And this is where that boxing match comes back as far as clients' choices or clients' abilities to get this may not provide practitioners that same opportunity to create kind of the requirements of, okay, we'll do it on telehealth or you're not allowed in here. I'm hoping, like you mentioned, that these clinics would provide or these agencies would provide some sort of guidance around this. And like all mental health providers, there there are really good ones, there are shady ones, there are ones that have less resources. And so I think, again, looking at your own risk level and belief system around it, I think, you know, obviously you have to abide by the parameters of your employer or or choose not to, I guess, and, and potentially risk your job or things. And I think this makes it much more complicated. But my sense is that a lot of agencies are going to try to mitigate their own risk. And so, you know, being able to figure out how that system works and actually abide by all of the precautionary measures, whether it's getting your own vaccine or doing the the physical distancing, you know, maybe it's making sure that your client's getting their temperature taken and not coming into the building if they have a temperature, those kinds of things. I think there there's the practical elements of it and trying to decrease risks based on all of our, you know, each one of us has read kind of the different measures we can take to decrease the risk of becoming infected. However, I think there's this other piece that I I don't want to ignore because, you know, there are folks who may have less access to the vaccine. There might be folks who are terrified of the vaccine. There are different individual and cultural factors that I think can be at play where education and, and other understanding of why someone might be terrified of a government vaccine that is being enforced before I can go see my therapist, that that there's some clinical elements here too. I mean, I, I think of BIPOC folks and and specifically Black people around the Tuskegee experiments and, and how being forced to, to get a vaccine to be able to participate in society 
doesn't have a good look. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's being able to identify the practical elements of how do I get how do I handle something safely, but also the clinical elements of how do I handle this potentially power differential with my client, talking about medical things that we haven't talked about before. I mean, I guess we've started to with the pandemic, but for me, once once I went online, like th- we didn't have to negotiate who's sick or not sick once I got behind a screen. And so I think that there's there's not just these practical and legal elements, although I think they're important. I don't want to make I want to make sure we haven't missed, missed any of them, but there's also the clinical impacts of requiring or strongly encouraging some of these things that may impact the clinical relationship. I think in respecting client approaches to this and mm-hmm. in talking before the episode here, we were very careful to look at how we're presenting this. And in that discussion around patients' choices versus clinician values and practices, ultimately where Katie and I land on this is it doesn't matter the reason why somebody may choose to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. That is where the respect comes in, is we respect whether it's reasons for medical exemptions, religious exemptions, whether it's cultural mistrust of this, that I know that even a lot of very educated and science-minded people are like, you know, I'm going to maybe wait a little bit on getting the vaccine. Like I know some vaccines, you know, might have like Julian Barr syndrome that comes out, you know, that just some of the testing trials haven't even been long enough to indicate that this might be a potential side effect. Like, I don't care what your reason is for not doing this, not in a way that's dismissive or apathetic. What the decision is not relevant is I think rather than I don't care. (laughs) Yes. That is a much more eloquent way of saying it is the reason behind it is either not relevant to the clinical treatment or it's entirely relevant as its own treatment goal and needs to be addressed as such. But as far as how it plays out in accessing treatment from a clinician is not a reason to bend agency policy for it or bend practice policy for it, as long as you can provide those reasonable accommodations to still be able to provide mental health treatment, which the infrastructure exists to be able to do. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. 
want to just deepen that a little bit because I think it becomes a treatment issue when there is a conflict, right? If, if you say, hey, I'm heading back to my office as soon as you're vaccinated, come, feel free to join me. <laughs> and your client's like, cool, perfect. I, you know, I don't know where I'm on the list, but I'll let you know. It's a no-brainer. If it's a client who says, I really don't know if I want to get the vaccine or I don't trust the vaccine or I don't believe in vaccines, I mean, there becomes a power differential that is in the relationship. Even if you say, I don't care why you aren't getting vaccinated, you just can't see me in person, that's still putting a a stance or a belief or, or whatever it is, however you want to describe it, into the relationship. And so I think there is clinical material there. In addition to another thing that I've heard people talking about, which is helping clients make decisions around whether they get vaccinated, when they get vaccinated, and those types of things. And so to me, and you mentioned this before the episode, just kind of people shying away from this completely and going completely into patient choice. I'm not going to even dare tread there. I think I think it's a disservice to our clients to not be able to walk into this conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think it's something where being able to to have an uh, an understanding of their perspective and identify, you know, where what they're feeling is tied to other clinical material or where what they're hearing from society may be guiding their decision making in either a positive or negative way. I think being able to have those conversations and even having a conversation saying, how did that feel that I told you that? I'll be in the office, but you can't join me until you're vaccinated, right? Like, I think being able to have those conversations is important. And even though it's medical, the decision-making isn't. Some of the conversations I've been seeing about this so far is people are really wary of where this scope of practice comes in and being able to make some decisions about people's physical health. And I kind of look at this as it's really easy to hide behind scope of competence when it's an area that we're not comfortable talking about or don't feel prepared to talk about that still falls entirely within the scope of our professions. When you say that, I just, I'm I'm hearing Lindsay's voice around the financial therapy stuff. (laughs) Just because it's something that we're not comfortable talking about doesn't mean that it doesn't fall within our our scope of of practice. Absolutely. Whether or not it's part of our scope of competence is something that this podcast and many of these other discussions are initiating as a reason for you to seek out more information and to fill that gap in your scope of competence. There are plenty of things in the mental health profession that we are needing to be aware of about people's physical health and need to help them make decisions around their approaches. Think of anything dealing with substance uses, eating disorders, biological causes of mental illness like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder that we have a requirement to know about people's physical health. It's part of the biopsychosocial model. It's the first piece of it. We tell people all the time, go exercise, go do these things that take care of your biological health that helps your mental health. Get some sleep, do some sleep hygiene. Exactly. We're legally required in most jurisdictions to evaluate people for grave disabilities around their physical health treatment. 
So to me, hiding behind, well, this, this isn't part of my scope of practice, I think is a incorrect evaluation of what scope of practice is because this does deal with even things like this very discussion, which is access to mental health treatment. Your job is to be knowledgeable enough about what, what the vaccine is. And it has been politicized enough over the last year that people are going to have their opinions on it, but understanding how a vaccine works, not do you believe in vaccines, but understanding how it works is a fundamental science decision on which all of our professions are made. Uh, all of our ethics codes say in their preamble or in their ethics in one way or another, we practice based on science. Vaccines are a science. and whether or not people choose to follow science is their decision. Forcing them to follow science, forcing our clients to do that, that's unethical. Yes. That, that is where this piece really comes in is I can't say you have to get a vaccine. I'm going to make you get a vaccine. What I'm going to say is <laughs> if you don't, I'm not going to see you. And in so person. The, in person. <laughs> yeah. So I think that this is something where, the, the power differential is how you exercise this. We are generally very well-educated people. Most of us are pretty smart. That we, And those are two separate <laughs> I things. I like the caveat. <laughs> I like the caveat. <laughs> but where, where the ethical piece of this treatment falls in and, and dealing with that power differential is how we exercise that. It's not you must do this. It's... If you don't, here's here's the consequences as it pertains to our relationship. And I'm not going to withhold treatment from you. I'm not going to treat you in a way that is unethical or impractical, but it's going to be an evaluative decision as far as the entire global integrative approach to our treatments. The piece that I think can be daunting to folks, because I know many of us will talk to our clients when they're making choices about cancer treatment or about whether or not they pursue a specific career or whatever it is. One of our jobs I see as really being helping people make decisions. And so we cannot know everything about everything. And certainly I'm going to potentially, you know, read through the science about vaccines and understand, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty smart. So maybe I'll understand 70% of it, <laughs> um, 80, I don't know, maybe 50. I, you know, I think it depends on which article I'm reading, but I think being able to do the, the due diligence and then understand where our current scope of competence or, you know, lands and where our scope of practice ends, I think being able to say, hey, this is what I've been reading. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But but let's figure out how you're identifying the sources of information that help you to, to make your decision. I think that we don't have to know everything to be able to have these conversations with our clients. We just have to have enough of a sense so that we understand when we don't, you know, so we know what we don't know. And we also don't push a specific outcome. We help people make the decisions based in whatever psychoeducation we can provide, whatever, you know, science 
based, you know, kind of research or like, how do we, how do we make sure that the information we're getting is accurate, true, helpful? You know, I think we can have those conversations with our clients, but we don't have to have the, all of the information about the science in order to have those conversations. We may need to do research if we have a client going deep, but we don't have to have all that information to begin. And another example that came up in my mind of how this stuff is already at least kind of approved in different ways within our profession is look at the way that we treat clients in residential treatment centers. And the one that comes to my mind is, especially around eating disorder centers, is they're put on some sort of leveling system that we make decisions about their behavioral goals towards food that gives them access to more and more privileges within that treatment setting mm-hmm. that people start at the lowest level. And it's like, all right, if you don't eat the food that you need to eat at this meal, or you don't engage in the right sorts of physical aspects, you don't get a level up and have more privileges. And that is a similar type of approach in my mind where it comes to vaccinations that Rather than, you know, talking about like, all right, you don't get like access to more free time activities. It's more of just like you don't get access to being physically located within my office. I think that's fair. I mean, I think there's there's a lot to consider in this. And I think we could talk about this for many, many hours because there's there is nuance. There are there are different places that clients are going to be coming from. There are different things to think about. Like you and I are both planning to get vaccinated. There may be clinicians who are planning not to, and do they disclose that to their clients? You know, I think there's, there's a lot of nuance here that I think we can't cover in the next two minutes. And so I want to just summarize, cause I think it, it's, it's helpful to think about it. First thing is we can require people to get vaccinated, whether they're our employees or our, our patients, so to speak not the best practice, probably encouraging them to do so is is good, but setting specific parameters around how you interact with those folks and how clients and therapists interact with, with each other based on that choice. So if you choose not to get vaccinated, these are your options of, of how you interact with me or how you interact with my clinicians. And then the decision-making and, and the the things that all of us will be grappling with very soon around vaccines. That's like any other thing that we work with our clients on as clinicians, Mm -hmm. right? We must have enough knowledge and a grounding in science so that we can help someone make a truly the best decision that they can make given their own perspective and belief system. Absolutely. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You can let us know on our social media or on our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, and reach out to us in any number of ways. And occasionally we take some of those wonderful comments that our community here gives us and mix those, the feature of an episode or one of our blogs or anything like that. Check out all of the updates to our Therapy Reimagined 2021 conference that we are right now at the time of recording this. We've gone through all of our call for speaker applications that are coming out, and we'll be making more and more of those announcements on our social media and on our website over at therapyreimaginedconference.com. 
you can find our show notes at mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Renoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.